0: This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors in the financial industry. Outer Blue by Amundi. Welcome to Outer Blue Talks Research, knowledge sharing on financial research. Welcome to this Amundi Research podcast, where we take an in-depth look at macro and market themes. I'm Swaha Patanai, head of publishing. And today, I'll be chatting with Mahmood Pradhan, Head of the Global Macroeconomics at Amundi Institute. Mahmoud, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Swaha. Thank you. Nice to be here again.
0: Great to have you with us. Today's episode is going to focus on the economic and policy repercussions of the banking turmoil that we've seen over the past month. Silicon Valley Bank in the United States collapsed and then problems at Credit Suisse ended up with a Swiss lender that was more than 160 years old being taken over by rival UBS the big market swings that these events triggered have now abated but Mahmoud, you expect the whole episode to leave some economic scars still
1: yes swaha yes i do and the best way to cast is we were we're in a monetary policy tightening cycle we expected growth to slow down and inflation which proved quite sticky and has proved quite sticky to eventually come down what this banking turmoil changed is in our view it leads to a very big structural change and i'm going to focus first on the us the problems we've seen in the small and regional banks in a in a very few banks are indicative of something and i want to address two aspects of it one is what is the structural change i have in mind the profitability of these banks and their ability to lend has fundamentally changed because of this event on the side of funding their deposit funding is going to be more expensive. We saw very large outflows, and I'll come back to that because of fears of what might happen next or what might happen to uh, deposits of savers. But we saw very large outflows, both to some large banks and to short-term money market funds where savers can get much higher rates of return on, in quotes, safer, safer assets. Money market funds, short-term U.S. Treasury bills, are paying in the region of 4% plus. The banks were paying much, much lower than that. That trigger, that outflow, means that these banks will have a higher cost of funding. On their lending side, the lending opportunities for them in terms of returns they can make have fundamentally changed in the face of an economic slowdown. We look closely at where do they lend. These small and regional banks account for a very large part of lending to the US real economy, to sectors such as auto loans, consumer loans, mortgages, commercial real estate, so commercial mortgages, uh, and business loans to uh, smaller businesses. These sectors are not where the large players, the large money center banks lend. That's not their typical activity. If I can give you some reference levels, in the sectors I mentioned, these small and regional banks account for somewhere between 30 to 70% of all lending. So 70% on the high side is commercial real estate. That's what they account for. We know there are commercial real estate is not in the healthiest state. We have in all US cities, very large numbers of office space large amount of office space that is vacant uh, because of the slowdown now this structural change both from the cost of funding to these banks and where they lend lending in these sectors will decline we had already seen consumer borrowing rates go up as the tightening cycle was proceeding we'd already seen lending loans to The corporate sector uh, rates on those loans were rising quite significantly. Now, what I think this event triggers is is tips the balance. And I want to just finish tips the balance towards a bigger economic slowdown, which is why Swaha, we are now calling for a US recession. We expected mild contractions and weaknesses before, but this tips the balance. What I think is interesting is how the Fed has responded, and that is an acknowledgement of the scale of the problem. The Fed typically, as you know, has a discount window where it can lend to the financial system against collateral, and it can lend, broadly speaking, against the value of the collateral, how much it lends is based on the value of the collateral. This time around, the Fed has opened a special facility, another window, where it is lending at the face value of the assets the banks offer in, as collateral par value now this is that value is significantly higher than the current market value of these assets our rationale for understanding what the fed is doing is that if they had done their traditional discount window lending and lent an amount equivalent to roughly the market value of these assets that would have led to a lot of banks liquidating their asset site to meet deposit withdrawals and the fed would not have been had would not have welcomed that development because it would put even more pressure on asset prices mortgage-backed securities government bonds etc so i think the fed is implicitly acknowledging both the importance of these banks and to stem the decline in selling or forced selling uh, because these banks are sitting on unrealized losses uh, on their asset side of their portfolio so that's in a nutshell swaha that's what tips us or makes us believe that this now tips us into a deeper recession let me say a little word about europe europe is fortunate that it does not suffer from the same small bank versus large bank division, because Europe, all banks are regulated by the single rule book of the SSM, whether they are supervised by the SSM or by national supervisors. In the US, small banks are subject to a much, much lighter regulation regime, and that's part of what was at the root of this event. These banks were not required to hold sufficient liquid assets to meet deposit withdrawals and so on. Europe does not suffer from this ailment, but Europe will have the same pressures that come from monetary tightening, and the European monetary tightening has also been the fastest in decades. So borrowing rates for corporates, for households have been rising, and I believe they continue to rise because, not because of what we expect monetary policy to keep on doing, but because profitability of the banking sector is, will decline and that's the issue it's not a health of the banking sector problem in europe banks are well capitalized but they will reduce lending lending is already falling lending standards are tightening and we expect credit growth to be very subdued so that so let me stop there. that's really what makes us think we've seen something a deeper change towards in in this phase of the tightening cycle which we believe is quite mature by the way okay so we were you know we've had a lot of tightening.
0: Thank you Mahmoud there was a lot of uh, information there maybe I could just pick you up on the point you mentioned on the U.S. recession how bad exactly do you see it as being? And what sort of impact will this have on the US labour market, which we've all been watching for signs of some, you know, cracks appearing, which might prompt the Fed to think again about rate rises?
1: Okay, so in terms of our forecast, how what we expect, we had as an annual growth rate, uh, about 1% growth, roughly 0.9 to 1% growth before this event, We've changed that to 0.5, the year as a whole. Now, partly, there's still positive growth in the US for the year, but it's because we had a very strong last quarter of 2022 last year. Uh, And that carries over to give us, gives us momentum. So when we do quarter on quarter, quarter 422 to quarter 4, we end up with something uh, that doesn't look so bad. But in between, in this year, we expect two significantly negative quarters of contracting output, contracting, but so negative growth in the middle of this year. So it, it will be much weaker than we had thought. On the labor market, yes, you're absolutely right. This has been what's confounded many economists on both sides of the Atlantic in Europe and the US how strong the labor market has been. It's a, It's been a difficult phenomenon to understand in the midst of a very sharp tightening cycle. Uh, we attribute that to some impact of the nature of the shocks, some effects of the nature of the shocks that we have seen, that's COVID, uh, the lockdown, supply chain disruptions, and how difficult it was for firms to recruit labor again. Participation in the labor market declined drastically in the US. That leads many firms to uh, keep their labor force, to hoard, if you will, for longer and to and profit margins have been stronger, etc. As, as the economies reopened and demand remained high. But we do not see this trend as continuing. We think the labor market will loosen. We think wage growth will moderate. Of course, there are different differences among sectors. The service sector remains very strong, but we expect this to loosen. We expect this the labour market to loosen. We're seeing some early signs of that in jobs reports, labour market data, but I think we will see a little bit more as we go through this year.
0: Thank you, Mahmoud. Um- Going back a little bit to what you said earlier, you were describing a huge range of uh, reactions from the banking sector to what has happened uh, with Silicon Valley Bank, Credit Suisse. Um, and all of that amounts to a tightening financial credit conditions that will squeeze households and businesses. Now, in yes. some sense, that's going to do the work of central banks um, who all wanted inflation to come down and were working, as you said, with very sharp, aggressive rate rises to slow the economy. Will the tightening financial credit conditions be enough, however, to bring inflation back down to target? You were mentioning the stickiness earlier. Do you think it will stay sticky?
1: I think you're undoubtedly right that financial market conditions have tightened more. And this event, because of this event, And that does, in some sense, do part of the the work of the central banks in terms of how much they need to tighten policy rates by exactly what it takes off the table in terms of how much less do they need to do is very difficult to tell because these market conditions uh, are also moving at the same time. They're not constant. Uh, uh, And the central banks look at it other indicators of how the economy is performing what are the signs of a slowdown and how much of a slowdown can they expect what are the leading indicators job market developments etc the if you look at what how the markets are interpreting it the markets are giving a very firm answer they think there is significant tightening coming from the private Financial markets, and by that I mean the markets have changed drastically in while how much more tightening they expect to actually to put it more specifically, they expect cuts very soon and significant cuts, anywhere from 50, 100 basis points to, uh, by the by early next year. So that's a combination of your point of how much private financial conditions have tightened, but also uh, what markets expect in terms of the economic growth outlook, a much weaker outlook. So that's a combination of those. We think that if the central banks are able to stabilize financial conditions, if the Fed can stabilize with the measures it's taken, the problems in small banks, the deposit outflows. Uh, then, we think there probably is some further rate increase that the Fed would still uh, implement because of the problem you mentioned. That we have, we still have sticky inflation. Inflation is still high, and the Fed will not think that it's. Job has been done. It's not take comfort where we are. Uh, so we think one more f- increase sometime this year, providing financial conditions and the banking situation stabilizes. A little bit similar for Europe. We think probably two more uh, hikes. were at three percent policy rates. We expect the ECB would take it to about three point five again if financial conditions stabilize. Now. I should add that both these central banks are not providing any firm forward guidance, which they were quite happy to do only a month or two ago. Okay, So they're also, in our view, acknowledging that the situation has changed. They need to watch and see where the financial conditions stabilize before they can provide markets with firm guidance on where rates are going. Okay. How sticky will inflation be? I think inflation is clearly there's a headline is falling quite fast headline inflation is energy prices come down some food prices come down the core inflation is not so core inflation is is sticky what how do what do we think about the divergence between the two and where does when will core inflation come down one point i'd emphasize is that some of what's in headline inflation like energy prices okay they're not in core inflation measures but they do affect things like costs faced in the services sector because of transportation costs and so on okay so eventually these headline declines in headline inflation will have an indirect effect on Core inflation in the services sector. Now there are some signs that the services sector in the U.S. is, is gradually slowing. I mean, it's not as on fire as it has been. And I think eventually we think inflation does come down towards where central bank objectives are towards the end of next year.
0: Thank you. Um, uh, All that you say, I mean, the stickiness of inflation, uh, all the uncertainty that the Fed and the ECB um, is seeing ahead of it, which means it won't give forward guidance. All of this suggests life isn't very easy for those in charge of setting monetary policy these days. Um, Can I ask you, uh, who do you think has the hardest job, however, right now, if we were picking, say, between the Fed, the ECB, the Bank of England and perhaps even the BOJ, which is just about to get a new governor?
1: Yes. Wow. Uh, I, can I start by saying I'm glad I'm not in their shoes? <laughs> so they all have we all are,
0: actually. Yes. <laughs>
1: they all have a difficult task. Let me make one observation, which I find interesting about this particular challenge for central banks, this episode of high inflation, which I think is is quite instructive, and it hasn't been something we've seen before. Okay, and that is going back to the policy responses, they all had an accommodative stance to deal with COVID uh, in their various different measures they took. But generally speaking, a very accommodative stance, COVID. And then they were with hindsight late on beginning to tighten. Okay, At that point, there was some pressure From financial markets where there was a feeling that maybe central banks are a little bit behind a bit too slow to move to tighten policy since they started tightening by and large financial markets have been quite comfortable this quite unique this experience what do i mean by that i mean if you look at market expectations of longer-term inflation expectations, where markets expected inflation to end up where it would go. As soon as central banks started tightening and indicated that they needed to tighten a lot, that they had to keep going, markets have been very comfortable that central banks will meet their targets. Okay, We've seen long-end various measures of swap markets, uh, break-evens, all of those been re, well behaved. In contrast, the pressure on central banks and what's made their life quite difficult is the pressure from the public who are facing the cost of high inflation. Okay, that pressure has been immense, or if you, you might call it political pressure, but it's public opinion. it's the public feeling the the squeeze, as it were? Okay, uh, the cost of living crisis, etc., because of very very high prices for some key components like energy and so on so this has been a kind of quite a unique challenge for the central banks my starting point to get to your question would typically my gut instinct is always the ecb probably has the hardest task and it's by construct okay it's because of the nature of what the ecb is dealing with with the monetary union with now 20 countries with still very significant differences in how inflation is doing we've had inflation in some of the baltic countries at 20 percent okay through this episode very very high inflation okay we've had uh at the lower end at four five percent in countries like malta okay when you're dealing with of course they're all their targets and their objectives are framed and set on averages. So the average euro area headline inflation, their particular measure. But the reality is these disparities are quite large, and they make life quite difficult. E- Even when you come to things like how fast our wages is growing, there's a very, very big disparity across the euro area countries. And I think that inherently makes the ECB's task a little bit more difficult. The ECB, unlike the other central banks, always has to worry about how some of the countries in the Eurozone, which are carrying very high public debt burdens, how they will fare and what will happen to their borrowing costs as the ECB raises interest rates. Now, I have to say that the ECB, I'm sure, is pleasantly surprised and is happy with the outcome. So far, we have not seen stresses in sovereign bond markets in some countries in Europe that we have seen in the past, where many have felt that the ECB's policy choices are very constrained by the reality of high debt levels in some countries. Okay, So far, we're not facing that, but one can never rule that out. And that, So I think my... my all of them are facing very very difficult choices and you can tell in every country public opinion is strongly against uh, or strongly you know against what they kind of feel is a high cost of living which is not not their doing
0: absolutely Mahmoud thanks very much for joining Uh, us today uh, and for a really interesting discussion uh, we really look forward to having you back on the podcast soon uh,
1: thank you you're very welcome thanks for thank you
0: And thanks to all of you for taking the time to listen to us today. This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors as defined in Directive 2004-39-EC, dated 21st of April 2004, on markets and financial instruments called MIFID, Investment Services Providers and any other professional of the financial industry. Views are subject to change and should not be relied upon as investment advice on
1: behalf of Amundi.